Welcome to Spill the Tea, a bi-weekly download of life, liberty, and the latest in culture and news with your hosts, Dr. Robert McClure and Sal Nuzzo. Hello and welcome to another edition of Spill the Tea. I am Bob McClure, President and CEO of the James Madison Institute. And with us here today is Logan Padgett, our Vice President for Communications and Public Affairs. Welcome, Logan. Glad you're here. Thanks, Bob. I mean, I might as well just join the Spill the Tea team and be a host. We can kick Sal out. Yeah, Sal's uh, <laughs> off in the Virgin Islands. I'm sure he's working really, really hard on JMI business. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're not that you're a, a fill-in because mm-hmm. you're equally credible, but uh, I think we're going to have to fire Sal here pretty soon. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Sal, hurry back. <laughs> I know it. That'll be it. Let's dive right in. Let's start with some things. Obviously, um, Gun control has been a major issue in Washington, D.C., although nothing at this uh, has yet to pass as we as we have this conversation today. There are a lot there is a lot in the works, but we have seen some things happen most recently in Ohio. So the states are taking uh, action uh, of their own accord. And Ohio recently passed a law that requires 24 hours of training for teachers to carry a gun. Logan, 24 hours. How do you feel about that? Yeah, we talked a little bit last episode about how tragedies like this occur and everyone just kind of jumps into this idea that we have to do something right? and we have to pass reform. And while we did talk last episode about something does need to be done and, and we don't know the answer to that. Right, no doubt. This idea of just jumping into something and mm-hmm. doing something maybe is not necessarily the answer. And 24 hours of training to be able to, I mean, kids are dumb. I mean, kids are dumb. And so uh, I'm not going to, I'm not here to defend whether or not I think that arming teachers is a good idea. I mean, we do have the guardian program in Florida and to put that into perspective, they have to undergo 144 hours of training, go through like a psychological evaluation, drug screening, all of that. Um, 24 hours just does not seem like a lot of time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I do have some hesitancy to kind of uniformly, um, uh, allow, uh, teachers just to carry. I do think some, uh, certainly can be qualified. A lot of former military, a lot of former police officers going to go into the teaching profession can certainly carry guns, but to kind of uniformly allow teachers to carry teachers are there to teach. Right. And, and I wonder so, if there are a lot of ex military, right. ex police officers that are actually teachers. I, I don't think that there are, but, um, yeah, I, I, Again, I don't. I'm not here to defend the right. idea one way or the other. I do think there are other things that could be done to protect our kids in schools. Getting the classrooms into the 21st century and, right. and the actual facilities that we're sending our kids into and making those more um, uh, uh, kind of hardened. Yeah, yeah, yeah protecting those them. I mean, I've yeah. seen stuff about like why don't why doesn't every classroom have bulletproof glass right. and other resources to protect them. So Sure. And you could have obviously beef up the school resource officer component right. for schools. I think also uh, one of the two of the things that that um, really are missed here is that uh, many of these almost all of these shooters are uh, young males who mm-hmm. are dealing with mental health issues. Right. So a lot of this goes beyond simply 
passing another law because if right. you look at Uvalde or you look in in our case here in the state of Florida Parkland right. you know they those shooters violated dozens and dozens of of laws so mm-hmm. to speak so are we passing so then when we pass just one more law or five more laws and they won't violate right. those laws that's simply not the case yeah i so, said that last episode like we are just royally um the young men in our country, like we're, right. we're doing something wrong. <laughs> right. And that's a discussion for another day. But I think yeah. mental health and dealing with uh, fatherless families and young mm-hmm. men who are really struggling is a component that uh, we're not we're not seeing as opposed to just simply gun laws, as in right. this case, Ohio. But back to the original point, 24 hours of training uh, for to, to carry a gun as a teacher. I'm not sure 24 hours is I didn't look up whether or not, like, is that 24 hours every year that they have to go through? I mean, I know that even police officers and military have to, re- right. you know, have to train every single right. year. And, um, I, yeah, I'd be curious to know that. Yeah, yeah. Moving on also, yesterday there were uh, major votes, uh, major campaigns in Maine, Nevada, North Dakota, and South Carolina, and in Texas. Uh, so they all turned out to pick their primary candidates for the midterms. Anything, anything that you saw happen yesterday? One thing that did stand out was the Palmetto State. Um, so Congressman Tom Rice, uh, he, he was a five-term congressman, and he was ousted by a Trump-backed conservative and lost his primary to uh, State Rep. Russell Fry. Right, so right. Um, if you remember, Rice was one of the 10 Republicans that voted to impeach President Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, he's now the first Republican who voted to impe- impeach him to now lose his primary. So right. I just think it's interesting, like you still kind of have um, the, the Trump wave really affecting uh, these primary results happening yeah. in the states. Yeah, and it was interesting too. That's a very red district. So, uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, Russell Fry is going to win that mm-hmm. uh, seat. Another one that I thought was really interesting is that in South Texas, which has been traditionally very Democratic, very blue, uh, uh, Myra Flores, actually a Mexican born American, um, flipped a blue district that had gone somewhere around six to eight points for Biden in the recent election, mm-hmm. uh, flipped it from blue to red. And so Myra Flores is a Republican. And if, if I'm not mistaken, she's the first Mexican-American woman to serve in Congress. And so you're seeing this kind of, um, you know, you're seeing a couple of things take place, which I think is interesting. One are the in- intra-party squabbles. You have in the Democratic Party the Bernie Sanders wing versus the so-called moderate wing, the Joe Biden wing. Not sure it's so moderate anymore. They're kind of fighting in their primaries. And then you have, as you referenced in South Carolina, the Trump wing with the kind of more traditional moderate Mm -hmm. Mitch McConnell um, wing, uh, you know, Paul Ryan wing of the Republican Party. They're having their uh, fights as well. And then the two will meet ultimately in the general election. And so it's really interesting to see what what's taking place there. Yeah. And obviously our primary, even here in Florida, there's a lot of developing right. things going on. Ours is not until August, but I mean, we've seen uh, people decide not to run uh, mm-hmm. and and uh, announce, can- or announce campaigns for different offices. So a lot going on. A lot to shake out here in mm-hmm. Florida as well. Um, staying on politics, the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, the stadium veto. Governor DeSantis vetoed $35 million for the Rays stadium renovation. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I, we've So we saw there were some reports about DeSantis like right. possibly doing it because there was a tweet that, um, you know, he, he thought was 
maybe the Rays were too woke or something. I, I don't believe that to be true. I think that he did it based on principle. I think right. he saw that this was crony capitalism at its finest. I think he understands that um, you know using taxpayer dollars to build stadiums um, is really more likely to enrich stadium owners and team franchises than the communities that they're supposed right. to help. Um, and and uh, real, it boosts short-term attendance, but doesn't necessarily uh, provide a lot of long-term employment and consumer spending. And we know this at JMI. We did a study, right? Study a after few study years ago. Yeah. It was one of like the first studies I remember releasing um, when I joined the team. And so, um, funny enough, it actually looked at. Um, Tampa Bay, as an example, they um, got $10 million back in 2006 to um, do some renovations to Tropicana Field. And um, the study found out they went from like an annual attendance of a $1.4 million in 2006. Um, and then they did all the renovations. And then by 2016, like 10 years later, they were at record low attendance. Right, right. Um, and then we've seen it happen at the Marlins. Yep. They, um, they also, uh, I think it was like $600 million um, to build Marlins Park right. at the expense of Miami-Dade. And so um, I was supportive of Governor DeSantis' decision to veto because I think that he saw that it was not uh, a good investment of taxpayer dollars. I agree. And I think it's important to understand because the governor does get tagged with kind of uh, being, uh, you know, vengeful, which is not accurate. In this case, stadium subsidies do not work. And study after study after study, as you referenced, uh, show, study after study shows that they don't work um, and that it is a kind of a boondoggle for the owners at great expense to the taxpayer. Um, but, you know, the converse for that is these owners, you know, if they don't take government money, they can then keep all of the profit. Mm -hmm. You know, they can keep all of the profit for hosting a playoff game, for, you know, a Super Bowl in the case of the Miami Dolphins or an NBA Finals in the case of the Miami Heat or or World, World Series in the, in the case of the Rays. So, you know, I think the governor, the governor did do the right thing, and it wasn't because, as the left media likes to say, some sort of you know vengeful act. You know, because they were perceived as woke. That just simply isn't the case. Yeah. Um, moving on to a couple of other things, the U.S. Travel Association reports that a new poll shows that almost 80% of Americans are going to take a summer trip this summer. Are you all taking a summer trip? Logan? Yeah, well, we talked about this last right, episode, right. and I said um, we are going down to the Keys to visit my sister, um, staying in Florida, but that's just about it. Um, you know, just with gas prices so expensive, and we have two little kids too, so the thought of really going anywhere too far just feels kind of daunting. Maybe, sure. Maybe next summer we'll plan a big trip, but... No, we're just hanging out at home. And do you know the number one destination for uh, most of American most of America's travelers is? I bet they're coming here. They're coming to the state of Florida, the free state of Florida. They actually are. Um, just through March, uh, which is amazing, Florida's already had through March 36 million visitors. And if you extrapolate that out to the end of the year, you're talking about 144 million tourists slash visitors to the state of Florida in 2022. That's a stunning number. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think when we were preparing for this, we were looking up some stats and that's larger than the entire population of Mexico. Right. 
that is right. coming to visit Florida in one calendar year. Right. The largest country in Europe is Germany, and it's about a hundred million, and that it's 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 more than that. Yeah. It's staggering. Germany and a half right. is coming to visit That's right. Florida. Yeah. That's right. It's unbelievable. So uh, we'll be the beneficiaries of that. Um, so that so that that will be great. We're looking forward to it. Obviously, uh, the weather has been brutally hot. I know. I was just so they're coming say, to the heat. They better get ready because. Mm-hmm. I mean, the high today is 100. Right. I think I say this every year, and I, I'm i probably wrong, but it just doesn't feel like it's supposed to be this hot yet. Like, right. I, I remember, like, I was sitting out yesterday letting my kids play outside, and it was 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and I was just sweating. It was so hot. Right. I remember looking at my son, like, do you want to go play inside again? And he right. was like, no, I'm having fun. I was like, yes. okay, well, we'll stay outside. But uh, yeah. A hundred degrees in the yeah. middle of June. We're I sounding just, older and older, though. When I know. We I say just that. do not remember it being this hot this early, and I'm probably wrong. But <laughs> I know, no. And then, of course, as we talked about in the last uh, last spill the tea, um, hurricane season is yeah. here. Um, we're starting to see the occasional name stormed, but as you know, uh, natives of Florida know it really picks up and. In August and September, yeah. so we're I looking for a busy season. I am at least thankful season. right now for this afternoon thunderstorms to cool right. it off a little bit, and yes. then you know, then it's the humidity is 117 after you're done. But, yes. But, yeah. Do you have a favorite summer drink that is uh, keeping you cool? You know that that Coca Cola is now coming out with a Jack and Coke in a can. What could go wrong for a high schooler, right? <laughs> oh man, with Jack and Coke in a can. Oh man, yeah. That, I think that's just part of this whole like market that we're seeing where it's just this ready to drink cocktail right like ready to go i mean um you've got the high noons mm-hmm. and um moving more from like your vodka ready to drink cocktail right. into now jack and coke and then i've seen like tequila ones right and yeah i don't know i'm i'm anything to stay cool right now i guess right, right. <laughs> i mean i just jack and coke in a can i just uh you got to make it harder for teenagers than uh, That's than that. Right. It's That's just, right. It's just I tough. I didn't think about that. Yeah. yeah. NBA Finals. The Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics are playing each other. Uh, as we tape this, the Warriors are one game away uh, from winning the NBA uh, championship for I think this would be Steph Curry's fourth, um, which is an amazing feat. He's an unbelievable player. Uh, have you been keeping up with the NBA no, Finals? No, we were. We were preparing for this, and I was talking to uh, one of our staffers, Nicole, and she said, yeah, you guys should probably talk about the NBA Finals. And I said, I didn't even know the NBA Finals were going on right now. So it shows you how much I'm paying attention. Yep, yep. So the Heat obviously lost to the Celtics earlier uh, in the playoffs, but uh, it's it's set up to have been a great, great series. Uh, I'm kind of pulling for Boston because it's got more guys from Florida, Al Horford, Played for the University of Florida and some other folks, but we'll see what happens and how it plays out. Yeah, you'll have to keep me posted because I I won't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll uh, I'll update you in the next uh, spill the tea podcast. And then finally, Top Gun. Have you seen it yet? Uh, yeah, okay, we talked about this last episode at how it was like the highest grossing film right. for a film that was released during Memorial Day weekend, and then I went to go see it um, like a couple of days after, and it lived up to the hype. I mean, it was. Such, That's rare too. It was, yeah, it was such a good movie, especially for a sequel. I mean, you kind of get this idea that like they can't do it better right. than the original, and I'm not here to say it was better than the original, but it did live up to the hype. And I think it's kind of rare nowadays to get this 
pro-American movie that left out a lot of, you know, political right. uh, topics and just like a good all-around feeling movie. So what's the lesson there? It's wildly popular. It's in a theater because we've been told for years that theaters were either dead or dying because of mm-hmm. streaming services at home. What do you think the lesson is there in a movie like Top Gun and as popular as, it, as it's been? Well, I think that movie theater, I mean, it's still worth going to movie theaters. Yeah. I mean, yeah, movie it's a theaters fun experience. is still an experience. And it wasn't, I mean, we saw it in like the um, the Dolby Cinema Theater where mm-hmm. like the speakers are in your seats and so right. it felt like the F-18s were going right past your right. ears. And so, um, yeah, it was really fun. I mean, I think that movie theaters are um, not dead, even though uh, a lot of people want to believe that they are. And it's still worth seeing not every movie in the theater. Some movies you can wait until it comes out on Netflix, but um, it's still worth seeing movies in theaters. It's the quality of the content, too. It's the, it is quality content that will get people... It's the quality of the product that will get yeah. people back into the theaters. These marble movies that they keep churning out that are, in my opinion, vapid and shallow and, and you know, kind of kind of weak or the um, you know the the politically woke uh, movies that everybody was supposed to see and then when nobody goes to see them the media somehow blames the viewing public as sure. being um, you know uh, shallow in their own way I think this top conversion shows that when you put out a quality product that people want to see they'll go to the theaters and it because mm-hmm. the theater is still an exhilarating experience regardless of your age yeah and it could just be that for us, it's like a kid-free night, and so we're could you know, be we're, that's we're, part of we'll it see too. Whatever movie in theaters, if right? we can just go have two hours to ourselves. But we were really looking forward to this one, and it was it was really good. And I I do think that people are still they're continuing to go back to the theater. I mean, we see the same thing with concerts. I mean, for right. a while, I think they said that like concert ticket sales were down like twenty five percent compared to what they were back pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, people are starting to go back to concerts. They're starting to go back to movie theaters. Ball um, games, yeah. you know, NBA finals, all those kinds of things. You're not seeing people in masks. Right. So, yeah. Well, uh, that is another edition of Spill the Tea here at the James Madison Institute. Thank you, Logan, for filling in for Sal. And uh, he's probably going to lose his job, but that'll be okay. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for having me. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Spill the Tea. For more content from the James Madison Institute, follow us on social media or check out our website at jamesmadison.org.